What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Planning Desk Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Burmeister, joined by my co-host, Mr. Purple, Tony Steak. Tony, Tom. hello. We're back for another episode. We continue to work through our creative differences. We've been communicating mostly through our agents, but uh, we were able to get to a point where we're ready to proceed with, with another episode, so I'm, I'm happy to say that. Good to see you. Episode two. Wow, I cannot believe we have finished out the first one and actually chose to do another one this was yes. uh, a lot of fun and you know what we have some reactions about the first episode my favorite one comes from someone on twitter and i quote this sucks so yep that you know you know what that means though trolls mean you're doing something right because you're irritating someone but we actually did get a lot of positive feedback and we i did. think that it, it came from a, well, first of all, people said this is different. They've not seen something like this, and it's giving them a perspective on, on industry in real time, like we were talking about last episode, around these events, around technology, around topics. So it's been, it's been good. Everyone's been excited. I think. Did you defend us against this person? No, I didn't. No. I, I, I do not engage with that kind of behavior or that kind of language. You know me. <laughs> Did you get any reaction from the wife? Yes. Yeah, actually, I woke up uh, that following weekend. She said, I watched your things. What things? The podcast. You did. And actually, I had a lot of people that I didn't didn't really expect to, to watch it, both in the industry and outside, have said, hey, nice podcast. And I don't know that I believe them all that they actually watched it. But nonetheless, they, they had it in their hearts to to share some good feedback. So, yeah, very encouraging. You know, that's that's why we're here for our listeners, because we have we have a lot of differences ourselves. But uh but that's that's what brings us back. Most of the views are actually my wife. So yeah, um, when I go work out in the basement uh, of my house, um, I take the Apple TV mm-hmm. and I port it up to the television in the bedroom that she's watching because she's watching <laughs> some show. So then I port up the episode and turn it on. So every night she gets to watch uh, Tom and Tony bloviate on a bunch of topics so today we have some really cool topics actually and i think the first one i'm really excited about i think this is you know we talk about the new normal right and we say things like uh the world has fundamentally changed and it has actually absolutely and what we're going to talk about is really you know this this work from home idea and what's what's going to happen and i realize you know we can talk about work from home in terms of the advisors and their staff and how they're functioning. But we want to take it from the lens of the investor too. Absolutely. And how these investors have embraced a work from home mindset and how that's changed how they expect to interact, but also what they're consuming. So this is a really hot topic. I think it's exciting. I mean, let's let's be honest, it's been a year. Everyone's kind of, you know, working from home. They have their setups, but now it's a matter of how are you interacting with your clients and how are you managing that content. We remember last week's episode, you know, the GameStop, yes. the mean stocks. Like that, I would argue that the impetus or some of that was driven by this work from home culture, this being in front of their, their computer monitors, having access to more capital. Multitasking opportunities are multitasking, immense. right? But just Take imagine travel buddy, travel budget, travel budget, no more travel budget, no more uh, vacation budgets, no more remodels. There's a lot of things that, you know, all this money came uh, and it made itself available. And so that's why I think we should talk about work from home, because the amount of access to capital, you know, especially in light of um, the meme stocks and everything else. So that'll be our first topic. Super excited about work from home uh, and kind of what how, how advisors can can position themselves 
uh, in this quote-unquote new normal. Let's do it. So, you know, we're in the new normal, the work-from-home kind of state of things, corporate America, and quite frankly, globally. And obviously, there's a debate about whether or not we're going to see that shift back to the office or not. I don't think that we need to address that now, but we all can agree that working from home is something that we can expect to see over the mid to long term. I think some employees will just certainly work from home in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with that being said, and thinking about the investor, right, and how you engage with those clients, how is an advisor going to address that? Because they're what they're typically, let's be honest, they're accustomed to meeting at their office or meeting at a coffee shop, addressing things, signing paperwork, delivering a plan, all traditionally minded. And now we're in this new world. So how does the advisor address those investors or clients? And how do they make it comfortable for them in this new setting? Yeah, I think we're, well, we're starting to realize that the, the whole ceremonious aspect of talking about finances and it was getting together and there was handshakes and there was, you know, there was the paperwork and the coffee shop or the office. And it was a very ceremonious thing. And that was it was largely considered a, almost mandatory. We we're talking about important things. we got to get together in person. That's how important things get done. And we've all realized, whether we thought so or not, that we can get a lot of stuff done virtually. So yeah, you're, the question is, is how much of this new normal becomes the normal uh, going forward? So I think advisors have to take a lot of things into consideration here. I think certainly client preferences are, are very important. Clients may have uh, may have a, a, a preference for, uh, for keeping the, the virtual keeping the virtual meetings going. I think some clients may, may be very excited about getting back to an office to have a face-to-face -face conversation, but I think you need to be able to be flexible. And I think, again, it's about process, process, process. We talk about that a lot. We need to have, you need to have a, a documented process about how you're going to go about setting up these meetings, preparing for these meetings. So I think it's important to communicate to clients what precautions you're taking if, if they would choose to come into the office. But if not, Here's what you can do to prepare for a virtual meeting. Here's what you need to have. Perhaps even have somebody from your staff uh, test it out with the clients ahead of time so you don't get that, you know, that, that, the thing that always happens even before this where it's like, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? No, yeah, I could be, yeah, I could, but now I can't see you. Uh, it sounds like you're in a cave. <laughs> yeah. So like we, we want to be able to make sure these meetings are productive uh, and it's not seen as a negative experience. So all that, that process related prep work is going to be really important to make sure that th these things can continue smoothly regardless of how a client might choose to engage. We got to give them options. You got to you know, meet them where they are uh, and it might evolve over time, but I think you need to realize that there's not going to be one standard way of setting up a meeting, meeting with clients, all of those things like, like we were used to. What I also think is interesting, and um, I've heard it a lot, you know, there are virtual advisors out there that they pride yeah. themselves in, hey, we are 100% virtual, we've always been that way. But what we're seeing now is this almost tectonic shift in our country around the ability to work remotely. You're seeing mm -hmm. this flight out of certain states and into other states. You're seeing people look at properties and, and real estate that they never would have before. But the advisor, you need to make sure you can follow along them. So let's just say someone moves from California to Idaho, right? We're seeing a shift there. Um, you get a lot more property. You get a lot more fun. Um, how Taxes. Potatoes, right? Lower taxes. But how is the advisor making sure the individual, their investors, their clients, how do they know, A, are they, are they helping them prepare for that move, you know, from a finance perspective, but also... How are they ensuring those clients that, hey, I can I can come along with you on this ride. I can be your virtual advisor. I understand, you know, my planning application has the tax code for Idaho. You know, how does the advisor do that? 
Yeah, well, I think you, you, you definitely need to demonstrate your versatility and, and say that in, in that case, I'm, I'm not the best advisor for you because you live, we both live in California. I'm the best advisor for you because of all these other reasons that we think we're a great fit, personality, uh, our personalities jive, um, you know, we, we communicate in the same style. Uh, all of the things that we've accomplished, I think, still apply, but now it's, it's translating those to, to virtual, right? And I think it is demonstrating how you, how you have the technology to uh, work with them through not, not only after the decision, but hopefully in the process of approaching that decision is Idaho the best state? Uh, cost of living, probably lower, certainly lower. But what other things go along with that that we need to consider? My planning software can, can certainly handle for the, the change of uh, residence, change of domicile, all that kind of stuff. Um, there's, a, there's a number of things that go into it, but I think having those, those conversations that uh, frankly, we're not probably as common as they are now is something that advisors definitely need to pay attention yeah, to. Yeah, I wonder. Right? I, I love that. You made a point. You said, I'm not your advisor because we're both residents of California. I'm an advisor for these reasons. I love that. And I think that should be probably something you could package up and, and send. In fact, if I was an advisor, you know, managing a book of business, I might do that. I might send out an email. Are you planning on moving? Are you planning on relocating? Here's a checklist of things that we would need to discuss. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, you talk about moving to Idaho. Yeah, it's lower COLA, uh, better taxes, X, Y, and Z. But what happens if you change your job? Mm-hmm. What happens if you lose your job? And then you're forced to find something. What if remote's not available anymore? So I think that would be a great, powerful tool for and an advisor. It, and if indeed we are going to encounter some some cost savings, how are we going to deploy that yes. in the best way? Before it disappears, right? Plan. Before yes. the savings disappear. So on the next, you know, here here's what happens at work from home. And I found this. I worked from home for a while. And I found that, believe it or not, you're in front of your computer that much longer. Because you, oh, you roll out of bed, you know. 10 feet away from work. Hopefully you put on your pants, right? But you but you go right to your computer. So you're actually getting more hours on your screen than ever before, right? And, I, and in fact, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> improving your posture, right? I, I think I, yeah. Ergonomics but, are not my strong right. suit. But like, so think about that. So you're in front of your computer that much longer, right? Mm-hmm. But you are still taking mental breaks, but you're going to be exposed to more things on the computer. I have to think that many people working from home Maybe have CNBC on in the background. Maybe have a news channel in the background. Maybe they are reading more digital newspapers and, and things like that. So they're seeing a lot more, mm-hmm. right? And they're exposed to, quite frankly, more digital ads. So how does the advisor, again, stay at the forefront of this? Because now they're consuming more. There's without question, if you're used to be doing seven hours in the computer in the office or six or five, depending on your meeting schedule, now you're probably doing eight hours or nine hours. How is the advisor staying in front of their clients, especially in light of this new work from home mentality? Well, it, it's it's so important because I, that all these studies and, and we don't even need to cite them because they, they all indicate how often people think about their finances. And I think advisors need to really come to grips. And this has always been the case, but really need to understand that, especially now, if you haven't given them the resources to, to better understand what what it is that they're thinking about what or given them a mechanism to to get answers to their questions they're going to the internet and they're seeing ads for your competitors whether they're robo advisors or 
or, or just different human advisors that whole time. Uh, well, they do that. And so you need to be seen as, the, as that, uh, that trusted resource and the first kind of go-to resource. So client communication, always something that we harp on for years and years, but even more important now, what are you doing proactively? I think there's things like newsletters and other things, but how much are you, uh, how can you get more creative with giving topical relevant information to a, a book of business that might be relatively segmented and, and different topics might apply to different people. So you really need to, to put some thought into your communication strategy and understand kind of how people are consuming information so that when they start to think about these things, middle of the night or what have you, something from you or a resource that you've given them is that maybe not the only, but the first place they go so that that's not their default is to go out into the Google, Google, fear, Google sphere or whatever it's called to, to figure out, you know, what to, what, what they're thinking about. Correct. I mean, I think when you, so when I think about it, expose, you know, you want to be exposed at the right cadence with the right content, right? And as an advisor that you said, you have a diverse book of business. So you need to segment out yeah. those households. And if you have a hundred households, 50 households, 150, you need to segment out those households based on characteristics that would consume the same amount of content information. Secondly, you need to then start kind of formulating how you're going to distribute that. Are you going to hire a Snappy Kraken or FMG Suite, or are you going to do it on your own? Do you have administrative assistance? And you're going to start distributing on emails or other content. You know, but I think it's really important that you, I, I might get, you know, I might get a little bit of pushback on, on, on the internet for saying this, but I think the more content, the better. Yeah, for sure. I think you kind of inundate them with the healthy amount of content and, but you know, ways around this whole, like too much unsubscribe as an advisor, you can ask them, what is the cadence you desire? Is it weekly? Is it monthly? Because they're not on LinkedIn all day. They're not on Facebook. Maybe you're doing a post there, whatever it is. Like, so you need to then seek out and say, how often can I communicate with you? Because now with new applications to technology, you can actually, when they choose to unsubscribe, you can, instead of saying unsubscribe, you can say, I want to reduce the cadence down to two weeks, once every two weeks. So my content to these topics only. Right. So that's great. I think that's a great action item, right? Create questionnaires saying, what kind of content do you want to see? I mean, you should still give them what you think they, they need, but and what frequency? Because mm-hmm. it's going to be critical in today's modern work-from-home era that you are making sure you're staying top of mind. Because if they're not in the client portal looking up subjects, if they're not following up the to-do list that you've given them, they're going somewhere else. Right. And, and I think it's, it's worth pointing out that now, is it sustainable to, have, to encourage clients every time you have the slightest question or the slightest thought or idea, reach out to me? Now, you could say that. I think you'd, depending on how, how big your book is, you, you, you might run into some, some capacity issues at, at a certain point. But I think it's, it's, it could be very useful to say, help, let's build our next conversation agenda. So when you do have those questions, figure out some sort of electronic or digital medium to be able to keep a running list of things we want to talk about. Maybe those things get crossed off if in the interim something else happens, but we're creating that running list for our next agenda so that you know that eventually we're going to talk about that, even if it's not in real time. Sure. When we come back, we're going to talk about alternative investments. And why this is so popular now is exactly what we were just talking about. Work from home. People have access to more capital than ever before. They're saving more than ever before. So when we get back, we're going to talk about alternative investments investments, and why that's so important for your business going forward. Not enough room, Chato? Nope. So, Tony, another byproduct of this whole work from home phenomenon has certainly been increased savings rates. People just don't have as 
as much stuff to, to spend money on, or certainly the opportunity to spend money on the stuff they were spending it on before, right? So I think it's, a, let's talk about how asset location and where you're putting those extra savings are important. But first of all, I got to ask you, because I got more golf trinkets and stupid golf stuff <laughs> that has not helped my game whatsoever than I've ever had before. But what's, what's, t- tell me about your so impulse I purchases. That, I mean, this is, this is the craziest part about impulse purchases um, from the pandemic, in my opinion. Everything that people are buying is something that they cannot use when they're trapped in their homes. Did you notice that? Like people are buying nicer clothes, <laughs> yeah. they're buying suits, golf stuff, and they can't even use any of it. It's just bizarre to me. But it actually is the catalyst of the alternative investment. And, and I, I pulled up an article, Bloomberg Businessweek. Sneakerheads have created a gravity-defying, pandemic-proof commodity of their own. And it shows a picture of an Air Jordan. And I think that's really interesting is that advisors are all of a sudden inundated with an entirely new yes investment a group of investments and investors quite frankly because i ha- i'll admit so you asked my you asked me what for me it was i've been sitting on stockx mm. for quite some time and i have <laughs> um, let's just say i have a lot more shoe boxes in my closet and for those that don't know stockx is a way to bid on and sell shoes and these shoes can be i mean i've seen pairs of dior's go for ten fifteen thousand dollars um and that's the next generation of investors. They're going to be looking at alternative in, alternative investments and asking the advisor to help make sure that's allocated and considered, right? And so as an advisor, you need to start understanding and speaking intelligently on those different asset classes. Now, I don't think you need to know the value of a pair of Air Jordans. What I do think you have to do know is how to handle that conversation and quite frankly, don't denigrate or make fun of those investments because quite frankly, they're going to go up in value and they're going to be worth more and more money. And that's, I think, the work from home mentality. So when you think about it, so what are the asset class or I'm sorry, the alternative investments that advisors are being approached with in the year 2021? First of all, I think we should point out this is there's no guarantee of of investment performance despite whatever uh, Tony okay, says. Yeah, I read think the that's disclaimer. A disclaimer. That yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think well, certainly crypto is a big one, and I think that's probably worth bringing in an expert on because we I think we can talk about it a little bit. But I, I saw something like eighty some percent of advisors report having clients ask them about crypto, which is just fascinating to me because you think about. I guess stereotypically what you consider the demographic to be interested in crypto versus the demographic that is traditionally served by a human financial advisor. And there's a little bit of a Venn diagram you know, analogy going here. There's some overlap, but you don't traditionally think of them as one and the same. So that I found fascinating. So I think, yes, advisors need to be prepared to talk about it. Now, if we go back to our, our talking episode one about GameStop and, and, and Reddit stocks and all that kind of stuff, I think you, you need to be prepared to articulate why you think it is a good or a bad idea without poo-pooing the whole concept. Sure. Or, like we talked about last time, helping your client understand what is a good, safe amount to deploy to that type of investment um, and what risk you're taking. I think all of those things are are, are really important. But uh, what am I missing? What else is out there? No, I think, well, really quickly, so crypto is the big one, right? But now you're seeing all these different things like NFTs. Of course, you talked about the shoes. About comic books making resurgence, like you're seeing. What's the what's the what's the, uh, what's the sport one? Oh, NBA Top Shot. Yes, Top Shot. I heard Michael Batnick's wife is now a multimillionaire because of Top Shot. But like this is, 
and this is the insanity of this all. And I think it, it goes back to, I want, I want you to point something out because you said something when we were off the air about, about savings rates are going up significantly. Interest yields are going down, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot more money in the world that needs to go somewhere. And then you made a really important point about risk tolerance. What happens in the investor's head when they're sitting on a pile of cash and not spending it? Well, yeah, I think investors are are looking at you know balances or, or or savings amounts that they probably weren't used to in the past. So, I think naturally their risk tolerance might go up a little bit because they're more prone to take a slice of that, however big, and put that into something that they may have not considered before because they had bigger priorities and and, and a totally different appetite for risk. Uh, whereas now they have a little bit more, and and I think they're they're. Uh, the propensity to be okay with with losing that is, I think, okay, or at least taking a little bit more risk. Anyway, yeah, it's it's funny because like more to that topic, like people are spending money on things they normally wouldn't spend their money on, and then you know when when this pandemic's over, they're going to want to go on their vacations, do their home improvement projects, and they might not have the nest egg that they would have before. So as an advisor, it's your responsibility to remind them that hey, you can go off and buy. 16 pairs of Air Jordans, but there goes that bathroom remodel or there goes that trip to Disney World. So I think as an advisor, you need to remind them. But I don't think, and I agree with you 100%, we cannot, we cannot like downplay the importance of alternative investments. And, and you mentioned you know, crypto being the big elf in the room. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that some 80% of advisors have been asked about crypto in the last year. And you now see some of the largest organizations in the world either purchasing crypto Right or beginning mm-hmm. to cust- beginning to work on custodian being a custodian to crypto, but even more so, you're seeing this concept of crypto being a good piece of your portfolio. If it's five percent, if it's I mean, we I've heard a lot of different numbers: three percent, five percent allocations, but it's here to stay. And so, and we're not experts on the topic by any sense. I think it's really important that we book. Uh, someone on the topic and yeah we should we can we can make that happen but you know what are the questions we're going to ask what are we questions we're ask him or her you know we're going to i think estate planning is a big one right how is estate planning considered when it comes to crypto what about taxes i've heard some new things on taxes like what exactly is a doge what what exactly is a doge i do think they actually you know you bring up a good point guthrie like people we need to take it we need to take a step down in terminology and make sure everyone's at the same level. Cause advisors, they have to know everything, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we were already putting a lot of pressure on them uh, nowadays to get, to become experts at like retirement healthcare spending and stuff like that. And now this is just a completely new topic that they, yeah, they need to be at least have an elevator conversation about uh, to give, to give clients the, the sense that whether they agree with the strategy or not, they're at least up to speed with what's going on and certainly haven't been ignoring a lot of the buzz about it, but I think it's, it's okay to have a very well-articulated thesis about why what you think about it and why not. Or, right, I, here's what I need to see. Here's what I would need to see. Or here's the education. We hear a lot about education levels. Like, what are firms doing to, ed- to introduce education programs for advisors? Uh, so here's what I need to see in order to make that okay, so that investors at least have a better better sense of, of what their advisors are thinking about, um, all of those things. And I think there's so many interesting topics. We talk about correlation with other asset classes. That's a big uh, big positive in a lot of people's minds about crypto is that it doesn't necessarily uh, correlate 
as well with other asset classes. So you're you're not as prone to the dips of the uh, of the aggregate market uh, as you might be. Inflation hedging, uh, inflation's a big topic that we talk about uh, a lot now. So I think all of those things are, are really good to to ask an expert. Those are big takeaways. I like that. So it's how do you invest, educate the client better on alternative investments such as crypto. How do you acknowledge their desire to invest in alternatives such as Air Jordans? How do you educate yourself? Mm-hmm. Because you know, you're going to find out that if a client feels that they know something better than you, that's actually a, a driving force to them leaving you. Sure. Because they don't feel that you are becoming the, the expert that you ought to be. So it's education at the client level, at the advisor level, right? And then also being respectful of these alternative investments because they're here to stay. And it's it's not just the millennial and the Gen Z. Like alternative investments are a thing in perpetuity. People look at gold very differently nowadays, look at silver very differently, they look at bonds very differently. It's here to stay. So we need to really get up to speed quickly on the importance of alternative investments, how they're modeled in your portfolio, right? And then, of course, being respectful to that desire to invest in things other than equities and, say, bonds or gold. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's a ton that we could unpack there. And I think uh, I, have so, I have so many questions, but uh, I think it's, it's going to be really fascinating to see how advisors adapt to this from a regulatory standpoint. I think there's just so much more to happen there, uh, it, good or bad, who knows, but it's crazy. Um, tons of stuff. Honestly, crazy. I think it'll be, it'll be exciting to talk about. I'd like to get someone on very soon because this is so topical. And I think we're going to see an arms race yeah. in both custodying those assets uh, the technology that's going to use to model that, uh, that's going to be used to purchase and transact that. I think it'd be exciting. So the sooner the better on that. Like I might not be here next week because I'm going to make millions this weekend on garbage pail kids, non-fungible. Yeah. All right, we're wrapping up episode two. Yep. We made it. But I'm excited about the weeks and months ahead, right? We've already have three guests signed up, uh, one of which raised his hand and said, hey, you talked about my event last week. I need to come on and talk about that. Yep. We have someone coming on for crypto. We're excited about that as well because we clearly need to learn more. Our audience needs to learn more. And then we have some other ones that follow about marketing and about everything else. And then sometime in the future, tech showcases where we're going to put people on the spot. Super excited. We're going to call them out and say, hey, put your money where your mouth is. So that's exciting. We have a lot to go. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the next couple episodes. Yeah, me too. Tell your agent, expect a call from my agent. Planning desk out. Oh, shit. forgot the most important part. Check us out on Twitter at the planning desk. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out on YouTube too. Let us know what you want to see on future episodes. Now, planning desk out. Planning desk out.